god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Welcome to For Love and Justice. My name is Elise Williams Reichard, and I will be your host. I'm a writer, feminist, swifty, and a crazy cat lady. I also recently discovered I'm neurodivergent as hell, so I'm on a mission to bring understanding and acceptance through conversation, humor, and expert advice from real experts, not me. My home is in Arkansas, where our brainless, I mean fearless leader, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is driving our education and healthcare systems into the ground. It's a constant clown show around here, so I'll be sitting down with some of the brightest minds in my community and delving into everything from politics to relationships, mental health to grief, literature to reality TV. My mission for For Love and Justice is to create a space for healthy dialogue, to challenge the status quo, unpack the complexities of life, and discuss how real people feel about real issues. This podcast is something I've wanted to launch for several years now, and between the 2024 election coming up and Taylor Swift taking over the world and girl power in general, I figure why the hell not? To quote Taylor, let's fucking go. So first things first, why do we all care so damn much about Ms. Taylor Allison Swift? It's going to take me the entirety of this episode to explain, but the short version is that our girl has gone to hell and back multiple times for multiple men who did not reciprocate, nor did they ever deserve her love in the first place. Um, And I think we all see ourselves in her. You know, when some people think of Taylor Swift, they think of Shake It Off, 22, We Are Never Getting Back Together. You know, some of her younger hits, and while they're amazing, she has grown as an artist. If you haven't listened to Folklore Evermore, please listen. If you don't want to listen, just look up the lyrics because she's also a poet, um, as she has now proclaimed with her new 11th album that she just announced. Oh, what the fuck is it called? Um, the, not the Dead Poets Society. It's the Tortured Poets Department. She's a goddamn poet. And she's been compared to Emily Dickinson, William Shakespeare. I mean, I don't need to sit here and list her credits. You can literally just Google them or ask ChatGPT to pull you all of her like oh her I was gonna say millions of awards maybe it's not that many um but all of her awards and her billions of dollars anyway not to get off on no you know what this is a Taylor rant this is a Taylor tangent that's what this entire episode is that's what y'all are here for so we're gonna practice some self-compassion and I'm just gonna let myself Taylor talk but anyway, that is, that is the long story short. It's just this girl has been to hell and back. She doesn't give up. She goes down fighting for love. And I think that's love and respect. You know, I think we fell in love with Taylor because of the early days, you know, with Love Story. And she was just so unapologetically – I said this was the short story. We're just diving into the long story now. Um, (laughs) but no, in the early days, she was just so unapologetically a hopeless romantic, kind of like we see with Olivia Rodrigo now being, you know, not just a hopeless romantic, but also the scorned teenage girl who is going to stalk you and burn your letters, um, and then write a song about it. And Taylor kind of walked so Olivia could run. So that that's why we embraced her. That's also why the world cringed at her because it just wasn't cool. We were in the early 2000s. Um, everything was toxic, literally. Talk, I mean, Toxic by Britney Spears was like the best song of the early 2000s. Fight me. I could be persuaded. Otherwise, there's honestly, that's when music peaked. But I digress. Um, it was not popular to be girly and like girly things and have crushes on boys and write his name in your notebook and 
so I'll just get into my personal story, my personal relationship with Taylor, my bestie, Tay Tay, <laughs> um, and my Delulu mind. I was in ninth grade when I remember hearing about Taylor Swift, when I remember hearing Tim McGraw. Um, so I would have been around 14. I I have a late birthday compared to everyone else in my class. So I was probably around 14. She's three years older than me. Um, so do with that math what you will. I don't like to do math, so you can do it. Um, but I instantly fell in love. I didn't like country. I have always been strictly pop. I get into some alternative punk rock. Um, not much. <laughs> I'm not much of a music person as it is. I recognize that I'm weird. I like to say I listen to Taylor Swift. That That is the genre that I listen to. Um, and she is all of the genres. That's another one of the million reasons we love her, guys. But no, so I instantly fell in love with her. And that was my introduction to country. I wasn't my gateway drug. I didn't really take to country. It was always just kind of um, Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood for a little while, but eh, not so much anymore. So I very much feel like I grew up with Taylor. Her songs, I always could relate to them. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not big into music. It, it really takes a lot for me to connect I have ADHD, so I think it's a lot of it is it's hard for me to sit down long enough to connect with a song or expose myself to new music um, because I like my comfort music. And Taylor Swift is just super comforting to me. She was always like a bestie. I mean, her song 15, when that came out, it's still one of my cry songs. I listen to it and I think about my high school experience and my friends and everything we went through. And and I just think she captures the experience of being young so well. Many other artists do it well as well. Um, but I am a basic bitch. And Taylor is the queen of basic bitches. Your girl had the basic bitch experience. And that's that, you know? <laughs> so anyway, then I got into college. I grew up, got into my 20s. Taylor, at a certain point, kind of started getting on my nerves. And I say my nerves, everyone's nerves. The whole world got so sick of her that the media drove her into hiding for an entire year um, from 20. Really, it was like all of it was from the end of 2016 to the end of 2017 um, because she was supposed to drop an album. <laughs> in October, November of 2016, that would have uh, matched up with her two-year cycle. For those who are beginners who don't know, like us Swifties who do all the Taylor math, Taylor, since her debut album, up until Reputation, she put out a new album every two years on the dot, never missed it until 2016 when she went into hiding. So then she reemerged in 2017 with Reputation, and that totally fucked up her two-year schedule. She tried to get back to it. Um, she put out Lover in 2019, two years after Reputation, but then, of course, 2020 came, and she just stayed doing the most. She put out two new albums in 2020, totally breaking you know, her normal release schedule. And then it just became an expectation because then two years later, she released Midnight's. And now it's just become an expectation that we just need new Taylor music all the time because we've had all these re-recordings, all these Taylor's versions that are released twice a year. Um, we only have two left to go. So anyway, I just, I don't know what we're going to do when... She isn't just pumping out hit after hit, but maybe she always will. Clearly, she thrives on it. Anyway, I digress. She got annoying for a while. She hid. She came back. In my opinion, I mean, she got way overexposed. She got on everyone's nerves. She hid for a year. Reputation was a banger. Critics did not. Pe people just. I, <sighs> Reputation. I'm so ready for Taylor's version because Reputation did not 
get its proper credit. It didn't get its proper time in the sun. That is my favorite Taylor record. It's really hard to pick a favorite, so that's I I can't even really commit to that. But if someone, you know, if Billy on the Street came up to me and asked me, um, I'd have to say Reputation. Folklore and Evermore are one album to me. That's my second. I that's my third favorite. Midnight's is my second favorite. It's it's really really hard. I love them all so much. But Reputation was a banger. People didn't appreciate it. I keep wanting to say then she got less annoying. <laughs> no, she still had some problematic behavior. So then two years later, she released Lover, which, like I said, was a bit problematic. Um, I'm not going to dive into all the reasons, but she kind of got annoying again. Um, and then the pandemic happened and she was quiet and then released the greatest art known to man don't come at me for saying that. I'm being facetious. Um, but uh, yeah, then she released Folklore and Evermore and the world finally started to understand how brilliant and talented this woman really is. Um, I think once she didn't have to promote her work a certain way, I think it freed her up to be more true to herself as an artist. And, you know, I watch a lot of TikToks. I'm deep into all the woo-woo channels of TikTok. And so I know that authenticity is the highest vibrational frequency. So I think once Taylor really was allowed to be herself, she could create more genuine art that people could more genuinely relate to. You know, not many people can relate to London boy, Taylor. I'm just saying. Notice she hasn't performed that one at the Eras tour. I'm not going to get into a lot of the problematic stuff. It exists. She needs to be more intersectional as a feminist. She needs to speak up for a ceasefire. She needs to speak up for the people of Palestine. She did attend a comedy show where the proceeds were donated to Relief in Gaza. And that was nice. That was something. Um, But just especially after her announcement at the Grammys and how – just how much power just her voice, her platform has – would be amazing if she could speak up. Um, and also if she could cut out some of her carbon jet emissions, that would be Gucci Taylor. Um, but yeah, she shocker alert. I'm a Swifty and I don't think she's perfect or that she's God. She's definitely a witch and I support that. And I will happily admit I am a card carrying member of the cult of Swift. But she is still human and she is a very wealthy human and she could do a lot of things better. But that being said, she's had a lot of growth as a person, as an artist, and I stand. So when I was planning out this episode, I was thinking back to my, oh, oh my gosh, it's one of the longest relationships of my life. My relationship with T Swift. Um, I was thinking back to how it started and at first, in my mind, I assumed it was enemies to lovers. Um, if you ask my parents, <laughs> they were shocked when I started like fighting people for Taylor Swift recently because they were like, I just thought you thought she was so annoying. You, you like hated her. And I was like, well, I hate. <laughs> And I told my parents, I mean, I hated myself. I think that that I think that's what was going on there. Um, but no, then I thought about it and I was like, oh, well, yeah, she was annoying for a minute there. Um, but that's not how it started. When I really, really thought back to the beginning, to 15 plus years ago, I don't know if it was a slow burn or love at first sight. Um, 
it, it's, I think it started out as love at first sight and then it kind of became cringy to like Taylor and then I didn't care. And then she became problematic. Um, and then she hid herself away and she grew and she changed. And, um, so I, I, I don't know if it was an enemies to lovers, a slow burn or love at first sight. I think it was maybe all of the above. It's been a journey. It's been a goddamn journey. Um, but I think that's why we all connect so deeply with her because she's been around for so long. She writes so personally, she steals pages from our diaries, um, and, makes a billion dollars off of them. Okay. So outside of my personal love, hate relationship with Taylor, the media has always had a love, hate relationship with this woman. So I gathered up a few headlines from over the years just to illustrate how horribly the media has treated her. And this doesn't really even scratch the surface. Um, she's, she, she's so smart. She's such a mastermind y'all. When you search like Taylor Swift slut shaming or Taylor Swift slut, anything like that, she has buried all of the search results by coming out with a song called slut. It's truly genius, but it made it hard for me to find things. I had to consult ChatGPT. So shout out to ChatGPT because a lot of them were living rent-free in my mind, but you know, I don't want to paraphrase. So here's just a few of the headlines about Taylor Swift over the years. Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston's whirlwind romance, love or publicity stunt. Taylor Swift faces backlash. Is her squad real or for show? Swift's reputation crisis. Has Taylor Swift lost her good girl image? Taylor Swift's, <laughs> Taylor Swift's squad drama. That's so hard to say. Are her celebrity friendships genuine or for publicity? Katy Perry throws shade at Taylor Swift. Quote, watch out for the Regina George in sheep's clothing. That was a dark day. I remember that. Calvin Harris slams Taylor Swift on Twitter. Quote, she tried to bury me like Katie. Is Taylor Swift's lover album too much about love and too little about growth? I need to go back and read that one because what a title. Is Taylor Swift's obsession with love damaging her credibility as an artist? No, that's the one I want to read. That That is insane. Everyone writes about love. What the fuck else are you going to write about? Taxes? No one wants to fucking read about taxes. Get the fuck out of here. You'd never say that about Adam Levine. Maroon 5. Get the fuck out of here. Ed Sheeran. Oh my. Bruno Mars. John Legend. Get the fuck out of here with that. Um, okay. Taylor Swift. The serial dater reputation. I'm starting to understand now why she named her her... 2017 album reputation we're seeing a theme here um and of course the new york times just recently published an atrocious op-ed op-ed putting in air quotes speculating about taylor's sexuality about the gayler of it all and i understand for fans to speculate that's that's one thing for us to talk as girlies absolutely Let's spill the tea. Let's talk conspiracy theories. I'm down. But to publish it in the New York fucking Times, it's a bit much. It's I, I gasped. I couldn't believe it was real. You know, I watch TikToks about Gaylor conspiracy theories all the time, but that doesn't make them true. And that doesn't mean we should publish it in, like, the, the biggest publication in the world. I... And as a Swifty, I just, she's already said it makes her uncomfortable. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Um, I do understand. Like I said, I understand for the fans and, and how they may feel. But enough is enough, especially from the media. Especially from the media. The media needs to chill. The media is the reason we are sick. Of You know, the reason we get sick of Taylor. It's the NFL's fault we get sick of her at NFL games. I say we. I don't get sick of her. I'm having that's the best 25 seconds of my whole game experience, my whole football experience. I'm there for Taylor Swift. That's why they're showing her 
your brads and chads because uh, and that's why the brads and chads are upset because the NFL is not catering to them and what's hilarious to me is that instead of like everyone is getting mad at Taylor Swift instead of the NFL and instead of what they're really mad at which is capitalism capitalism with a capital C that that is the source of all these things you guys are so mad about these days these companies NFL like NFL is doing what they need to do to get money they have no competition where else are you going to go to watch football they have you baby so they're going to advertise to you Taylor Swift is bringing in billions like she's she has dramatically increased the price of ticket sales and people show up to the game just hoping to get a glimpse of her of course they're going to show her so I get it if it's annoying, but again, the villain is not Taylor Swift. The villain is corporate greed, my friends. And that's my TED Talk for the day on corporate greed. Okay, I really want to do a whole analysis of Taylor Swift's lyrics. I've been thinking about doing like TikTok videos um, where, you know, I dissect a couple of sister songs with parallel lyrics at a time. So I'm not going to dive and do all of that today, but I did want to break down some of Taylor Swift's biggest heartbreaks and why we're here for her and Travis's love story, why we are so obsessed. I'm going to answer the big question that everyone's dying to know, which is why we care so much about Taylor and Travis. And we do. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So her biggest heartbreaks, obviously... <laughs> We all know about Mr. Red Scarf, Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. Taylor and Jake dated, y'all, I don't have the dates in front of me, um, but the album Red was about him. It came out in 2012. So, some, you know, she goes in two-year cycles. Sometime between 2010 and 2012 was Jake G's era. So we know All Too Well was about him. Our, what is it called? Our Holy Hymnal? What are the songs in church called? <laughs> um, it's our religious experience song, the all too well 10 minute version. So yeah, that entire Red album was about Jake Gyllenhaal. You had songs like All Too Well, I Almost Do, Red, um, We Are Never Get We Are Never Getting Back Together was about him and Stay, Stay, Stay. And I'm gonna point out a theme here in a second between men and the songs that they inspire. So bear with me. Um, but so we know most of Red was about him. Begin Again was about uh, Connor Kennedy. Um, that She dated for a hot second in between Jake and Harry Styles. He was Taylor's first big love. We all know what the red scarf symbolized. Taylor has been very not subtle about it. And this was when Taylor was about 22. Of course, the song 22 is about how Jake Gyllenhaal ruined her 21st birthday. So her 22nd, she was going to fucking party, as she should. So yeah, she's 22. He breaks her heart. Then she moves on to Mr. Harry Styles. And Mr. Harry Styles actually does make it onto the Red album. This girl is messy. <laughs> um, so I Knew You Were Trouble was a last minute addition to the Red Album, similar to her song about Joe Jonas on Fearless, the Forever and Always song. That is so good. I still love that song. But so she gets with Harry Styles and they are messy, messy, messy. They break up and get back together a lot. So much so that I thought We Are Never Getting Back Together was about him because she performed it once and did a British accent during the part where she, you know, pretends she's on the phone or whatever. And it was not about him, but it definitely applied to him. They, yeah, if you've listened to the 1989 Taylor's version bonus track, Is It Over Now? Um, you will know how truly messy those two were. And everyone is here for it. I, I honestly don't think, side note... I don't think I could have handled the vault tracks from 1989. I don't, 
being on the album in 2014, I think I would have died. I think I would have gone back to my ex. I think I would have blown up my whole life. Like, girl, we weren't ready. (sighs) And oh my, now I can't imagine a world without them. And I think I actually love that album so much more now that those songs exist. I think there was always something missing for me with that album. And and now I understand what that was. See, me and Taylor are just so connected like that, guys. Um, okay, so anyway, back to Harry Styles. So then, of course, all of 1989 was about this fucker, this, this British wanker. Um, style, out of the woods, clean, this love. Let me know if I missed one, guys. All you had to do was stay. Wonderland, how you get the girl. I wish you would. Is it over now? Slut, now that we don't talk, say don't go. Um, And then also about Harry Styles. And these are more rumored, but I have uh, from Midnight's Question and Labyrinth. Labyrinth, I do think, side note, could be more in general just a song about falling in love and how it's scary, especially when you've been in love before. And even if, you know, you're falling in love with the same person and they've broken your heart before and just how scary that is. I don't know that it's necessarily about one specific person, but there are plain references. And that is why I want to do a series on Taylor Swift lyrical analysis, but I digress. So, and then I also believe that Cardigan from Folklore is actually about Harry Styles. Um, maybe I'll do something about that soon, but um, no one really, that's rumored. That's not like something most people know or think or talk about. Um, but I just really, I think as much as Jake Hall was her first big love, I think Harry Styles was kind of the love of her life. She even said in an interview when she was promoting 1989, um, the release of it, she said that everyone has that one person who they hope shows up and stops their wedding. And the interviewer was super weird and was like, do you have that person? And she was like, well, I think we all have that person and just batted her little eyelashes like the fucking pro that she is. So yeah, I think Harry Styles was that person for Taylor. Obviously, I think she's moved on, but I think that was such a big love for her. Um, The only thing bigger, obviously, Joe Allen, which leads me to the entire Reputation album was about Joe. Um, That also, side note, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but the reason Reputation is my favorite album, especially as an adult Taylor listener, um, I think is because that album came out when I first started dating my husband and Delicate was a really special song. Um, Yeah, it was just a really special time and it's a really special album. But yeah, she wrote that for Joe who did not deserve it. And then she wrote Lover, the whole album for him, did not deserve it. Um, And then most of Midnight's was about him and she let him write on Midnight's and on Evermore. Was it Folklore and Evermore? I know Evermore. Um, But anyway, so songs about him on Midnight's, Bejeweled, Antihero, Remix with Bleachers. So um, I I did not hear this until recently, but there is an Antihero Remix with Bleachers, who is Jack Antonoff. That's Taylor's bestie and producer that she collabs with and did Midnight's with and everything. Um, He released a remix where he references an art bro who talks shit about his baby. And the Swifties, um, it's a case for the FBI. The Swifties are on it. And we believe that Jack Antonoff is our messy queen and hates Joe Alwyn just as much as... We do. Okay. So other songs about him, Mastermind and The Great War. I actually love The Great War. I think it's such a great song. Um, And Sweet Nothing. This was originally believed to be about Joe. Now we know that he 
he was William Bowery, the other songwriting credit on the song. Taylor also liked a tweet about Paul McCartney and his wife and something having to do with Sweet Nothing. So now people believe it was kind of a tribute or inspired by Paul McCartney and his wife. Um, and maybe not specifically about Joe. And then, of course, you have Evermore. We all know Peace. Taylor has said this is a very personal song to her about her life. Um, and then Tolerate It. I believe Tolerate It is about Joe. Of course, she has. She probably will never say that. But, um, God, the torture in that song. I promised a pattern in some of these. So between these three guys, this is when Taylor really starts having a theme. Okay, so during the Jake Gyllenhaal era, during the Red era, we start seeing songs like Stay, Stay, Stay pop up. And then when Harry Styles in 1989 comes along, we have songs like Say Don't Go and I Wish You Would and All You Had to Do Was Stay. And lots of lyrics about wanting your loved one to come back or not to leave. And then <laughs> along comes Mr. Joe Fuckboy Owlin, and it just gets worse and it gets darker. And I didn't really notice this pattern until, you know, the re recording started coming out and I started really listening to the albums for the first time in so long. In listening to them, you know, all at once instead of, you know, as they come out over time. And so I just really, it was, it became so clear to me how this woman has just never had stability in any of her romantic relationships. She's always been with men where she's had to beg for breadcrumbs and beg for them to just stay with her. And so she's, she's only ever known the bare minimum and so that brings me to why we are so fucking thrilled that she has a real man. Okay, I could probably write a whole entire book with all the reasons I have for why we're so excited Taylor and Travis Kelsey have found each other. I did not know who this man was. I will admit Taylor did put him on the map for me. She also put him on the map for my husband. We are not sports people, but now I am a sports girly. Go sports. Go Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> I I actually got a shirt for the Super Bowl. I'm going to go watch it with my family, with my nephews. We all got shirts and I'm really excited. One of my nephews got a shirt that says, go Taylor's boyfriend. Um, so I know I am doing my job as an aunt correctly. Okay, so the reasons. First of all, Taylor Math. If you haven't seen the TikToks about Taylor Math, go look them up. They're hysterical. Um, there's a million different like things that add up to 13. It's wild. Like If you add 87, Travis's number with 13, which is Taylor's birthday and her favorite number, um, you get 100. Um, the, the, the Super Bowl, the, 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 <laughs> I'm just so excited. I can't get it out, but the Super Bowl will be Taylor's 13th game to attend. Um, even though we all know she has filled those stadiums on her own, um, many times. Um, so yeah, lots of math with 13s. She also just won her 13th Grammy last night and her 14th. I say last night, by the time this comes out, it will be very old news. Um, okay, so more reasons. This is a shallow reason, but I have I have substance, so just give me a second. But he's taller than her. And Taylor, this has always been a thing for her. So I, don't, I wouldn't care for me, but I'm happy for her because we all know she's always been insecure about how tall she is. Um, and she's really not that tall, but I know she really loves wearing heels but, you know, she's said in songs like Antihero, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. It's been a recurring theme with her. And so it's just really, really, oh, she just looks so happy. She has such a glow about her just being able to fit under like the crook of his arm. Okay, so moving on. She clearly feels safe enough with him to ditch her security, 
which she never does, but we saw her do it with the first time at, I think it was the second Chiefs game she attended, where she and Travis left in his car. I don't know what kind of car it was, but it was a convertible. The top was down. She had no security with her. Um, And, you know, she went on the field, of course, uh, the game before the Super Bowl, the championship game, whatever that's called. And... I didn't see her security with her. I'm sure they were not too far away from her. Um, But I know 49ers fans even yelled some rude things at her. So um, she was vulnerable. I'll just say that. But she's clearly feels safe with Travis. Um, They support each other. They both show up to each other's shit. I think that's For Taylor specifically, it's such a huge deal for the Swifties to see because we have just seen her time and time again settle for men treating her like her career is embarrassing and like the intention around her is embarrassing or unwarranted. I think Travis is the first guy to really come along and recognize Taylor Swift for the queen that she is. And he matches her energy. And that's – I just – I'm so obsessed because – she no longer has to compete for love. I think I think for some reason she's always felt like she's had to and she's just always dated musicians or actors with whom she's in direct competition with. And they're typically very insecure boys who can't handle her success. And I love that Travis has his completely own thing going. They are both the best at what they do. And so when they show, they can show up and support each other and just be the girlfriend or the boyfriend and not have the spotlight on them. And I just think that's so beautiful. And I think it's really showing everyone what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, And then my final reason, and again, this is small, but they're the same age. They were both born in 1989. Um, Taylor has notoriously dated older men. Joe was the first guy around her age. I think he was two or three years younger than her. Um, But yeah, so the same age. And they both come from parents who divorced, but were able to do so in a way where they can still show up for their children and where the family unit is still a priority. Um, and I think that's a really unique experience. I don't think a lot of people have that. That's, that's, that's tough. You know, I've seen some of that up close. Like that is not easy to make that work. And so I think with them going into a relationship with the mindset of, you know, if this, if this goes south or if we change, if we fall out of love, we can handle it. We can deal with it. If we have kids, you know, and this ends, it's we can navigate it without it being traumatic for everyone involved. And I just think it's so important in this day and age to go into it with that mindset. Because, of course, you go into it thinking it's forever. But Taylor's gone into every relationship thinking it's forever. You know, we all do. So in summation... We are obsessed with Taylor because we are Taylor. We have crushed on boys with her. We've gone through breakups with her. We've gone through friend breakups with her. We've moved into new homes with her. We've charted the unknown with her. We've cried with her. So yeah, I just, she's not perfect. But I think she also shows, you know, a huge portion of this country, we are seeing women for the first time stand up and say, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I'm happy. You know, I want to work. I want to create. I want to make this world a better place. I want to adopt pets. I want to help my friends who have kids. You know, I want to invest in my community. So for the first time, you know, we have women We have this real life example of a woman in her 30s who is not married, has no children, but is killing the game. She has a billion dollars and like she's showing no signs of stopping anytime soon. I know she's talked a lot about how 
you know, she feels like she's aging out of the system and Hollywood, you know, is obsessed with youth and beauty and, you know, how much longer are they going to tolerate her? And I think it's just beautiful watching society embrace her and be like, no, like you're 34. That's a, that's not old. Like she's just getting started. I can't wait to see all the movies she's going to direct and the book she's going to write. Like it's just when I think about it, it blows my mind. <laughs> like she needs to start her own publishing house where she publishes books. She publishes like, you know, she produces music. I just think she needs to do all of the things. I think she needs to run for president personally, but clearly I'm in a cult, guys. Can you tell? Okay. I'm going to stop yapping and I'm going to pull some tarot cards. Okay, so I pulled the cards, did a little reading for Taylor and Travis. So I like to do intuitive readings. So I typically will either just take one card out or sometimes I like to do past, present, future cards. Um, So this time I did past, present, and future. But two cards came out together for the past. So we have the hanged man upside down and then strength. So this is really pulling on Taylor's past. Um, Obviously, I'm the one doing the reading. So my energy is what is directing it. And my energy is 100% Taylor all the time. So sorry, Travis. Um, But we're showing for Taylor in her past the hanged man. Okay, so this combined with strength, keep that in mind. The hanged man represents surrender. We encounter this card typically after wrestling for a solution, but we get strung up by the consequences anyway. In fact, when we fight harder, we only succeed in working ourselves into knots. Now we must either admit defeat or surrender to the situation. Suspend the urge to struggle. Inaction will give you a breather, and this will give you space to gain clarity for a better solution. The hanged man also suggests accepting our punishment with serenity if we have knowingly committed a wrongdoing. Now, if it's upside down, the core meaning is you grappled with some tough issues, but now the weight of responsibility has been lifted from you and you are free. Now that you are free to move on, which direction will you take at the crossroads of life? And this is the really interesting part. When it comes to love, it says there is no need to prove yourself right because your partner already knows he or she is wrong. Give your partner time to come around. So I am using the Radiant Rider Weight cards, just so everyone knows. I'm reading from this handy-dandy little booklet because I am an amateur. Um, but so, yeah, so now everything we know about her and Joe, we know that she was miserable and was hanging on to the relationship for dear life, trying everything she could to make it work. It sounds like they finally took a break, maybe more than one. Um, Taylor kind of has been referencing this in some of her lyrics. But yeah, so it sounds like she was trying, trying, trying until you just got to give up. Okay, so the strength card. So now that Taylor has given up, this relationship. She has the strength card. Now keep in mind, these are both from her past. So we're still referencing the breakup with Joe, which happened about two years ago. It's a messy timeline. Everything with Taylor is messy. (laughs) But so she goes through the breakup or the separation and then she finds her strength. So this card was upright. Um, And this is interesting thinking about her song, The Man. It says, in most societies, the term strength is attributed to masculinity, yet this card features a woman. Feminine energy is not about brute force, and neither is the strength card. This card is about balancing our animal nature and our higher nature. It's about using compassion to tame the wild and really elements within ourselves and our environment. This card can remind us that peace, love, and staying calm in a crisis are the best ways to express strength. Oh, okay. So this is interesting. Okay. So the core meaning of the strength card means you are prepared to face great challenges. You have mastered yourself, your addictions and dependencies. This allows you to reveal your best strengths. 
Poise, grace, and a sense of self-worth are the strongest influences when dealing with challenges. This screams Taylor. Um, We all know, Swifties know, she's overcome a lot personally. And yeah, this just kind of sums it up. She goes through the breakup. She finds her strength. She finds out she's the one she's been looking for all along. Um, And then we move on to the Ten of Swords upside down, which was a terrifying card when I first pulled it out and didn't make sense. At first, I was thinking it would be past, present, future with the first three cards I pulled. But like I said, the first two cards I pulled out at the same time. Um, So it's making more sense with those two together. And then the Ten of Swords as the present. And then the Eight of Cups is the future. So the Ten of Swords reversed. Okay, so the core meaning of the Ten of Swords. Life has been hard, but you are experiencing a reversal in fortune. New opportunities for growth have you feeling alive and hopeful for the first time in a while. You are getting a new lease on life and feel a renewed sense of purpose. These inspired moments come only after you accept your limitations and surrender to things you can't change. So that goes hand in hand with the hanged man card, the first card I pulled. So we're seeing a theme in Taylor's life. I think she's a bit of a, t- a bit of a type A control freak and likes to control things. And from one control freak to another, um, life goes a lot better and a lot smoother when you just surrender. And I think Taylor's learning that. And the core meaning for love with the Ten of Swords reversed says, you have been given a blessing to move on. This may mean getting the okay to start a new relationship after grieving an old one. The cards are never wrong, I'm just saying. So that's the present. So that's her moving on with Mr. Travis Kelsey. So now we have the Eight of Cups for the future. Anytime I get a Cups card, I just get so excited because it's they are the love cards. Okay, so the Eight of Cups says your intuition is guiding you in new directions. You are supported in travel and relocations. You've completed a goal or achieved a dream, I'll fucking say. And now you're ready to move on to the next project. Could it be Argyle, the movie? You have the knowledge and resources to make a better life for yourself. You have the strength to take on new challenges. And then interesting, so the core meaning, you've worked hard to establish good relationships and now you are expanding your social network. Clearly, she's on the cover of time. She's taking over the world. She's in every single room. She's not there. She's being mentioned. You are seeking new resources to enhance your love, work, and life. Travel is inspiring and gives you new ideas. Hey, she's traveling to Tokyo. You feel like this is a perfect time to start a new phase in life. For love, turn away from past hangups and emotional wounds in order to move on. Purify your emotions so you can experience stability and love. This card was very interesting for Taylor specifically because as much as we can sit here and dog on the guys that she's dated and how shitty they were, um... Anyone who's been in a long-term relationship can tell you that no one is perfect and you actually have a lot more work to do than you think you do. Um, We all have toxic behaviors and Taylor has become extremely self-aware through her music and has been exploring themes of, you know, being a narcissist or not necessarily being the hero. And so I think... Not to say she slowed down at all, because God knows she hasn't. But I think between the pandemic and her, you know, taking a beat to become more private, more time away, spend more time away from the cameras, I think she got a lot of good time to reflect on her own actions. And I think really just being in her first real relationship, because we can say Jake Gyllenhaal and Harry Styles were you know, her big loves, but those were not relationships. When you live with someone, you know, when you really are committed to them for six years, like she was with Joe, it's a completely different story. And I think you learn so much about yourself. Whereas 
when you're in toxic relationships or you're in and out of, you know, messy toxic relationships, it's a lot easier to say, oh, you know, look how they did me wrong. Look how crazy they are. And um, it's easy to overlook your own shortcomings. So all that being said, I think she has learned so much from her relationship with Joe. And there were a lot of themes in the songs about Joe, specifically about her jealousy. I think she is a very jealous lover, pun intended. And so I think like all of us, she has things to work on if she wants to have a successful relationship that stands the test of time. And so I think that's a really promising card to pull for Taylor and Travis's future. Because we all know Taylor is loyal. She is a ride or die. She's a ride or die. So I don't like the narrative that, you know, she's a heartbreaker and she, oh, she's going to mess it up with Travis Kelsey. If anything, I think... And this doesn't even need to be said because I think he completely understands this without anyone having to point it out to him. But I think he's the one here who needs to not fuck it up. And that brings us back to why the Swifties love him so much because it doesn't seem like he's going to fuck it up. It seems like they both really have met their match. It's endgame, guys. It's endgame. I'm calling it. And if I'm wrong... We get a whole album of breakup songs and football puns. So the only one who can suffer in this is Travis Kelsey. It's not the Swifties. That wraps up our show. If I left anything out, if you have any more questions about Taylor, Taylor math, anything Taylor related, let me know. I can make another podcast. I can just make my whole podcast about Taylor. Kidding. Not kidding, but I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, any other questions, let me know. And um, if you don't like Taylor or the things I said, you are entitled to your opinions and your emotions are valid, but I don't want to hear about it. No Taylor slander here. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode of For Love and Justice, please share it with your besties. If you want to pop off about something I said on the pod, I would love for you to join my Facebook group, also called For Love and Justice, and we can continue the conversation there. 